Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Wes Madden with Madden Real Estate in Fairbanks, Alaska. Last year, he closed 579 transactions with a total sales volume of $133 million and a GCI of $3.8 million. His average sales price was $230,000, of which 42% were buyers and 58% were sellers. He has a 36-member team, 13 buyer specialists, 5 listing partners, 2 inside sales agents, 1 REO specialist, 4 escrow coordinators, 1 listing coordinator, 4 virtual assistants, 1 director of operations, 1 executive assistant, 2 directors of first impression, 1 bookkeeper, 1 field coordinator, and 1 team leader. Wes Madden is the team leader of the Madden Real Estate Team. He's been an agent for 10 years and sold almost 4,000 homes worth $850 million in his career. In this call, Wes talks about selling 75 homes his first full year by being determined and disciplined, handing out 500 business cards his first month, piloting a Black Hawk helicopter for the Army before starting his real estate career, how he started by helping military personnel buy and sell homes, and how you can work with these folks if you live near a military base, getting a coach his first six months in the business, wanting to create a scalable, sellable real estate business from the beginning, developing a 25% market share, the simple marketing plan he uses to get 60% of his business by repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence, by creating an army of referral machines, the Buy It Local coupon program, how he ranks high in the search engines and gets free SEO traffic and leads, which companies he uses for paid PPC internet lead generation, including the conversion rates and the return on investment numbers, how he creates mass market awareness and direct sales, with radio and TV ads, and the power of the celebrity endorsement. Why he surrounds himself with experts. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Wes. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hey, Wes, it's great to have you here. Wes, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Well, before I got into real estate, I actually was a Army aeromedical evacuation pilot. I flew... Blackhawk helicopters and got to go rescue hurt and sick people. Um, we performed that mission all throughout Alaska, so I was really, I really kind of had a dream job performing rescues all over Alaska and using my training and my 
the skills that I that that I had brought with me and learned in my air crew and the in the helicopter to be able to help people, um, and then later use that, uh, you know, during the uh, global war on terrorism over in Afghanistan. So it's really a dream job. I ended up getting out the military on a med- I took a medical retirement after six and a half years. And, you know, like so many other people kind of fell into real estate. I, I had got my, I got my real estate license and, um, while I was on, um, while I was transitioning and, and kind of got into it. And next thing I knew, I was like, um, I could maybe be kind of good at this. And so next, you know, the rest is kind of history. So as you were making the transition out of the military, did someone mention real estate? Had, did you know someone in real estate? Why did you go that direction? You know, when I was in college, I worked for a real estate investor in Lincoln, Nebraska. I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and um, I, there was literally a job um, that was uh, posted in the classified ad section that said, um, manual labor, need a truck, and had a number. And I was like, I can do manual labor. I was a farm kid from you know <laughs> rural Nebraska. And I had a truck, so I called it, and uh, I ended up being a project manager for a, a real estate investor who was flipping houses before that was a TV show. So I got to see him you know, buy repos. I'd go to the house and, and kind of estimate what it would cost to renovate and fix these things up, and I'd, I'd, I'd see him flip the, the home for um, a profit, and it was, it was exciting. I, I enjoyed it. So that's what I thought real estate was. So, I mean, when I got out, I, I got my real estate license mostly because I was in the military, so I got to hear all the horror stories that everybody had when they moved up here and were really getting underserved. It just seemed like a lot of the horror stories, and I didn't know anything about real estate, it just seemed like if the agent was just uh, maybe better trained or uh, more confident, uh, you know, that the experience could have turned out different. So I thought, you know, if I could just do a, a good job, I, you know, I, I would... Uh, I would probably do well. And if I did a great job, I can do outstanding. Was your first group of clients the, the folks you knew in the military? Yeah, I literally walked around and uh, I just handed out cards. I think I handed out 500 cards in, this, you know, in a month and just told everybody about what I was doing. I had, I had gotten my uh, MBA while I was in the military. The Army was nice enough to pay for that. And so I knew I was getting into business. I didn't know what kind of business. It just seemed like real estate was um, was natural since it seemed like there was a need in my market. So I was in a target-rich environment. I mean, I'm looking around. I'm going, okay, these guys are all leaving. I got new new guys coming up. I just felt like I, you know, I had an opportunity there where I should probably at least roll my sleeves up and, you know, see what that, that side of the real estate business was like. You know, I, I hadn't, like, helped clients before, but I, you know, I'd been in real estate, but not, not from that perspective. So, and I quickly took to it because it was fun helping people. I love helping people. That first year in real estate, did you have a fast start or a slow start? Fast start. I sold, I think, first year, first full year real estate. Um, I think I sold 75 houses. So I was, wow. I, di- I didn't even really know what I was doing. Um, you know, I was, my listing presentation was pretty much like, you know, I don't, I don't have a website. I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of marketing. I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm really aggressive and I want to work really hard for you. And people were like, sounds good. And they were sending me their listing. Yeah. So I was kind of winning people over with enthusiasm and, and, and charisma. And, it, and so about uh, six months into it, I said, you know what, I need a coach. So when the listeners are listening to podcasts like this, they're listening to what, 
maybe successful people do, and that's all I did. And they, you know, and most of the successful people that I was listening to or reading about or or following, they all had coaches. So I said, well, I should probably get a coach. So I got a coach really early, and I just did what he told me to do. You know, getting coaching early on was really important for my career and set me off on the on the path of success because I had you know my, the the basics were ingrained in me. It's just kind of how I work, anyways, as an athlete, as a military guy. You know that that whole uh, pay attention. You know, be absolutely fantastic at the basics. Uh, you know, and everything else is you know really doesn't matter. I mean, you know, everything else kind of comes with that. So, so they set me on. You know, the, my early coaches really set me on a path for success. I feel. And in, in in my attitude of just humbly implementing was a big deal. Who was your first coach? First coach was Don Cunningham. Don's a great guy. I believe his company's name is Fidelity Coaching now. At the time, he was coaching with Dirk Seller. He was partners with Dirk at uh, Real Estate Champions. And Don and I are close friends still today, And as as with uh, Dirk and and coached with John Gualteri as well in between there. And then, uh, and then finally with, uh, Bob Corcoran, I ended up linking up with Bob Corcoran when, when I had grown the team, Bob had kind of specialized in team coaching. And, and, uh, by the time I had admin and, and salespeople under me and I was completely drowning and out of control, that's when I, um, hired Bob and, and, uh, we implemented systems and, and he really taught me how to become a CEO of my business. And, and that's when we really started on a, an accelerated growth period with our company. How long have you been in the business? I guess June was my 10th year in the business. You sold 75 homes your first full year. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year, we had um, 579 clients served. So this year, um, we're going to be hitting our 4,000th transaction, I guess you could say, um, which we're pretty excited about. It's a big milestone for us and a little over $800 million in um, in sales volume. So it's exciting. It's a big year. You know, I think sometimes you don't stop and kind of reflect back on some of your accomplishments. I had to, you know, we just got awarded the the local newspaper's Reader's Choice Award, number one brokerage and, and top realtor, right? And I don't, you know, and I had to tell the people, we've been on top for so long that I had to tell people, just stop and just, like, really think about this. You know, these are the readers, the people, the, you know, our clients are out there. And, they, you know, they took time out of their day to, to go fill out a questionnaire and, and check, check the box behind, you know, beside our name. So they felt compelled to do that without us asking. So it's pretty, pretty humbling, uh, you know, recognition, even though you've, we've gotten it multiple years in a row. 800 million in volume. You're, you're almost to the billion dollar mark. I know it. Yeah. It's, uh, I wish that translated to my bank account, but I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot, man. It's, it really is a lot. You know, you get into that, uh, I I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I think when I got into real, you know, a lot of people go, a lot of people have asked me, they said, did you ever think when you got into business that you'd be where you are now? And I'm like, you know, it's kind of weird, but I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I did. I kind of set out, I wanted to run a business. I just didn't know the how. I knew what I wanted, but I just didn't know how. And, you know, and so that's where the coaching and the, and the you know, the podcasts like this and the, and the books that are out there. I mean, the, the, the game plan's out there now. And there's so much information out there available for, for folks to help grow their businesses. I mean, you need to start first with what is it that you want and why do you want that? And then, you know, there's enough information out there for you to figure out the how, that's for sure. You said that in the beginning, you had a vision of what you wanted. 
how clear was that vision and what did that vision look like? Did you just think, I want to run my own show, I, I want to have a successful business, or did you have specifics and particulars? I thought I had a business plan. I thought I had, you know, my, uh, my goals clearly laid out. With, you know, the early coaching moments, you know, we actually sat down and came up with, you know, we crafted a vision statement, um, you know, a mission statement. We identified core values for, for my company. I mean, if you're, you know, you kind of have to start thinking, thinking like you're the company that you, that you aspire to become. You know, and a lot of those things are key pieces to creating that and really getting your mindset correct if that is what you want to do. Now, if anyone's listening and they just they love selling real estate and serving, serving clients, there's, not, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, I, I can see the, um, the attraction for some people to real estate as far as being able to client interaction, being able to uh, help people through what is arguably one of the most stressful things uh, in their lives. Uh, that's a special that's a special event. It's a special thing to be a part of. But for me, I just, I really wanted a business. I really want to create a business. I felt like this was a business that I could be really good at. I felt like it's a business that's rapidly changing. I felt like it was a business that it wasn't a one size fits all business. I mean, there are so many models out there. I love just like cracking the code that works for, works for our market, works for our region, works for our people, works for our, you know, who, who we have on the team at this time. So yeah, I I really wanted to be the CEO of my own business and build a sellable business. Do you believe that your business will be sellable? Yes, I do. I mean, when I started into real estate, it's easy to start out and, you know, we're very, I don't want to say, uh, image-centric. You know, you get into it and you think, well, I need to market myself because that's what I have to sell is myself. And so... You know, you see a lot of agents out there doing image, you know, engaging in image advertising and marketing, and it's all about me, 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 as opposed to, you know, what does the client get out of it, you know? So I think, like, from a, from a client perspective, when they're looking at the, the noise of agents out there, it's just a lot of image advertising. It's just not very effective. So I think uh, looking at it and going, how can I create something here that solves the challenges for clients, or how do I bring some some peace to clients when they perceive to be going through something painful? How do I alleviate the pain? You know, so always kind of keeping that in mind, building the model around that. How do I alleviate those things that the client is feeling or thinking they're feeling? Last year, you sold 579 homes. Do you recall the sales volume? It was just over 133 million, I believe. So we're not the highest, you know, uh, you know, and the, and the majority of that occurred in Fairbanks. So, you know, average sales price is around 230, you know, and I know that, so from a unit's perspective, you know, it's, you know, it's definitely high, the, the volume perspective, you know, nationally, there's definitely some uh, higher sales price markets out there. Do you recall your GCI last year? Yeah, just over 3.8 million on, uh, for, for GCI. Where is Fairbanks, Alaska? Well, Alaska is the forgotten state up in the top left-hand corner of, of your map as you're looking <laughs> at it. Or so, sometimes they shrink us down and put us down on the bottom with uh, Hawaii. But we can see Russia from, uh, from our state. Um, <laughs> that is true. Uh, but, uh, no, it, you know, what? we are the last frontier. It's definitely a different, a different lifestyle. We value different things up here, which is refreshing. You know, I came up here with the military and just fell in love with it. Um, just the real, the realness of it, 
you know, you do have to survive here. We tell people you either love it or you hate it. And if you hate it, this is not the place for you. But if you love it, you know, you'll endure a lot to, and you know, really enjoy the, the benefits that the Great Land has for folks. But, um, you know, Alaska's big. It's uh, two and a half times the size of Texas. Actually, I had a guy from Texas argue with me on that, right? And I had to, like, uh, I don't know, I had to, like, <laughs> pull it up on, on like, Google it. Just, we're bigger in Texas, I'm sorry. But the uh, uh, in our borough, so North, uh, Fairbanks North Star Borough, which is the county, I guess you'd say, if you're in a different state, you know, our borough's the size of um, about 7,500 acres, square acres, and it's about the size of New Jersey, uh, to put it in perspective. So... It's big. Alaska's just very expansive, and you don't really, if you haven't been here, it's tough to really, it's tough to really put in words or really, really perceive just how vast it is. But uh, my market is, is is really, you know, it's 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 big. We take float planes and and boats out to listings sometimes, so it's just different, but but in a good way. What's the population in Fairbanks? Fairbanks got uh, so we've got thirty five thousand uh, in Fairbanks, um, but another sixteen thousand out in North Pole. Yes, uh, we do. We have a branch office out in North Pole, Alaska. It is an actual place, and Santa Claus House is out there. And then uh, about ninety thousand total in the borough. Please describe your current real estate market. The interior is doing really well. Fairbanks North Pole. You know our average sales price. Fairbanks is about about two fifty. North Pole, a little bit lower, right around 220. The absorption rate, you know, about five months of inventory in Fairbanks and like three and a half months of inventory out in North Pole. We average, you know, right around 98.5 to 99% list to sell price. So as long as you're at in the ballpark for sale price, they're, you know, you're usually going to get your sellers what they're asking. Average days on the market, both markets, around 60 days on the market. Anchorage and, and the Matsu Valley slightly different. We're, we're starting to our, the state of Alaska. I don't know if you've if you know if you're kept up with the, like the price of oil. Alaska, our, our state budget, we had like a four billion dollar um, deficit starting starting off the year because we plummeted from 118 dollar barrel oil all the way down to 20 20 bucks a, a barrel. So we had a huge shortfall there. The oil and gas industry took a gigantic hit. So we're actually facing a recession that's really going to hit Anchorage more than anywhere else in the state just because you got a hot, lot of the high-end jobs, high-end earner jobs for oil and gas. Until you see oil make it, you know, come back above $60 a, a barrel, it's going to be tough times up here in Alaska. I think a lot of times people perceive that we're just like rolling in the dough and rolling in the uh, um, oil production royalties. But we are an oil state. Ninety percent of the state budget is funded by oil oil taxes, production tax. So um, it's a vital part of our state. And when that goes away, uh, we hurt, and we're hurting right now. So good news is, is in the interior, we've got a ton of federal money coming in due to military. So military, which we'll talk about, I'm sure later in the in the podcast, is uh, is a big part of our market. We've got uh, IELTS and Air Force Base in Fort Wainwright. Actually, has uh, one of the uh, one of the Army's five striker brigades right here. And then IELTS and Air Force Base was just selected to receive two squadrons of, of the Air Force's new um, F-35, which, which is a fifth-generation fighter jet, because uh, I, th- I think that uh, you know, the, the Department of Defense has kind of looked at um, you know, the threats that we have to our nation uh, in the next several generations. And um, you know, Alaska's the first line of defense here, protecting the Arctic. There's a lot of threats in, in, in Asia, 
and Alaska is very close, like I said. So and we got the missiles. We got missiles down at Fort Greeley. You know, if you didn't know, we got a missile defense system that we are that they're still building out. You know, so which brings a little bit of perspective, I think, as an American when you live in Alaska, because I mean the threat's real here. You know, so that military spending beefing up defense here has really helped the economy. You mentioned that the oil has fallen and that you're anticipating a recession. How are you preparing your business for the recession that you anticipate is coming? Man, we are growing. Yeah. So I, I love it when a recession hits because that's when I can go out and take market share. So we are we're actually locking up our Anchorage office space next week. We're actually opening up an office in, in, in Anchorage, and it's a good time for market entry because, I mean, you know, the agents that aren't prepared for – for a recession like that, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, they're unable to shift and, you know, they can find themselves uh, not doing well. So that just it provides opportunity for the businesses and the agents that are, that maybe have a more diverse business model. So that's how we're looking at it. It's given us a great opportunity to negotiate a great rate on our, on our office space. So we're pretty excited about that. Do you have a niche or specialization in the market? We have 25% market shares here in Fairbanks, so we, we kind of do a little bit of everything. But uh, military, I would say military, just because of my history, my relationship with the military. But, you know, it's been been 10 years now since I've been in the military. So, you know, we're having to kind of keep that relationship alive by staying engaged with the military community and the command. And, you know, I would say military is our niche or specialization if I had to pick one. But, I mean, to be all, in all honesty, we've... I wouldn't say that if you ask somebody in Fairbanks what our niche is, they just say that we're just one of the dominant players and, you know, they just say that we're the best, you know, I mean, because, you know, we win a lot of awards and whatnot. What percentage of your business is still coming from the military? That's a great question. We estimated, you know, about 20% of our business from the military right now, which is down from where, when I started, which was like 100%, you know, so we had to diversify a little bit because actually when I first started out, I was known as the military guy, which is great unless you're not a military person you, and you need to list your home. So I needed to, you know, that was one of those things with branding. I needed to make sure that they knew that, hey, I can also list your very nice home if you're not military. If you're not military. So you kind of learn as you go, what is my, what's my persona in the marketplace? I didn't want to be the biggest. I just want to be known as being the best, the most professional, full-service brokerage and wanted to back that up with um, statistics and facts and lots of client testimonials. You know, I knew first we had to do a very, very good job and create amazing experiences for our clients and duplicate that over and over and over. And if we did that and then followed up with those clients after the sale, long after the sale, and taught them how to send us referrals, we could build a referral-based business. And that's kind of what we did. I mean, I think if you're, if you're listening and you're in one of those like sub-100,000 uh, population markets, you have a unique opportunity to really grow your business into a referral-based business. Because like a Fairbanks is a word-of-mouth town. You know, everyone's got a guy or got a gal or, you know, you, you don't really do a whole lot of research or interviewing, you just go, hey, do you know, you know who does this? Do you know of a good plumber? Do you know of a good electrician? Do you know, of a, who's, you know who's a good real estate agent? They say, oh, I got a guy. Let me call my guy. Everyone's got that. So that type of relationship is very important in small communities. I came from a small town in Nebraska, so I know how that goes. And so we've just kind of taken that grassroots type effort and built the company on that. You mentioned you have a 25% market share there in Fairbanks. Do you feel that you've hit the limit? Do you think that you could double it to 50%? What do you think is realistic for a market share in your market? 
Well, I used to, okay, my mindset used to be if I didn't have 100% market share, I wasn't happy. And I know that that's not, you know, you can't, <laughs> it's okay to be driven, but uh, it, there comes a point where, you know, if I, case in point, there, you know, we have one title company in town, right? And they have 100% market share. I can tell you that they don't want to have 100% market share. It's not, you know, they don't like it because all the pressure's on you. You know, competition keeps the uh, your skills sharp. But more importantly, I just looked at it and said, you know, based on the number of agents I can recruit and retain here, um, we do have a lot of turnover because it's a transient place. I mean, Alaska, we have a lot of turnover. Not, not, I'm, you know, nobody leaves our company and goes across the street, but, you know, I lose people to Alaska. You know, husbands and wives get transferred to different jobs across the country, and that's just the way of oil, gas, mining, and military which are the, you know, the top uh, economic drivers in our state. When you look at the market share, we've got such a base of operations here that like our Anchorage office is literally going to be a sales office. It might have a it might have a receptionist that we call a director of first impressions to answer the phone, but it's going to be a lean and mean sales office that's just bringing in additional revenue and we've got centralized processing here in the Fairbanks hub. So we've kind of created as Keller Williams people would call it a market center here. Which which provides all the transactional marketing and listing coordination for our agents, so they can do what they do best, and that's sell. So we're pretty happy with that. Uh, so we're going to so we're going to be opening up some spoke branches, some sales branches that are highly profitable. We've got that base built, and um, so the next couple of years is going to be real exciting. Do you intend to open up these sales branches just in Alaskan cities, or are you also going to spread out into other states? We're only limited by the talent we can bring, um, the, the talent that we attract. So, yeah, I'd be open to opening anywhere. I think if you pulled my group, there's a, there's a large contingent of my people that would really like us to open up a branch in Hawaii. We're um, <laughs> still somewhere warm so that we can bug out of here in the winter. But, uh, no, it's, it's nice. It's exciting. Yeah, to answer your question, I, I'd be open to anything. We're only limited by, you know, uh, our imagination, you know, the imp- all-important capital that we need to for growth and uh, and, and people. I mean, uh, people is everything. You know, I got a guy down in, in Anchorage that he's the type of guy that you build you build a business around. So, you know, there's no risk in it when you know you got the right the right folks. Because when you got the right folks, it's just you know, they're self-managed, they're self-disciplined, they're givers, they're all in, they're cultural fits. You need to get to where you're attracting those types of people and just hitting home runs from a personnel standpoint. And, you know, the, the, the growth starts taking care of itself because you start attracting like-minded people to our organization. You know, up until a year ago, year and a half ago, I didn't even place an ad for recruiting. I've recruited – I mean, everyone has come to us just because um, of what they see, what they, what they know about us. You know, they, they see the way we walk, talk, perform – carry ourselves in the, in the community, and all they know is they want to be a part of it. So not only are we attracting business, but we're attracting and, and retaining top talent. And that's all we've ever set out to do as far as, um, you know, I want to build that business that I wish existed when I got into the industry. Let's talk about the way that you're generating your leads and your, your business. You, you mentioned a minute ago military. Let's start with military. It's 20% of your business still. How are you marketing to the military folks in order to bring that business in? I probably don't leverage my military experience as much as others. You know, I'm, I never want to use my uh, military service or uh, my affiliation with the military, my love and support for the military as a means of 
making them want to do business with me. I mean, I, most of the time they, they figure out that I've served, that I've flown. I don't even have it on the front page of my website or anything, but they'll dig a little bit and, and, and do their own homework and they'll say, hey, you flew, didn't you? Weren't you with this unit? You know, I'll say, yeah. You know, so people do their own homework and I just... I'm just not really into like you know putting a flag on my on my signs or anything like that and um, putting you know everyone you know not if you if you do that that's great I, that's fine I just I choose not to and but I am proud of my service I am proud of that there are a few clients I enjoy working with more than the military home buyer or seller for that matter because I do feel like I can continue to to serve the the military families that. I was sworn to lead and take care of when I was an officer, and uh, that brings me a lot of joy as an American, and I feel like I'm doing my part from that perspective. So from a military standpoint, I'm engaged. I would say it's more grassroots, it's less marketing, and it's more I'm engaged with the command. I lean forward. We adopt a unit. I I have one of the battalions in the Striker Brigade, you know, we adopt, so when they deploy, we liaise with them, so we liaise with the command to make sure that if, if any of their people have issues with lease agreements or buying or selling homes or, you know, because that's our expertise, but more importantly, if they need anything, you know, if they got a deployment coming up, what, you know, what do they need help with? Care bags. We stuffed bags full of goodies before they got on the, the airplane to, to depart to Afghanistan the last time they deployed. We had local residents come and drop off care packages, and they said, listen, I'm just dropping this care package off. I don't know how to get this to the troops, but we know that you can get this to the troops, and we would take care of that. So we are that, uh, that community to support for the military. If you see that support and you want to you wanna give us your business, then I feel like that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's very appreciated. You know, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, you know, we still just stay very engaged into military uh, military issues and activities. So you're not doing any specific advertising where you're advertising in, say, the, the military newspaper or their website. It's just happening because you're interacting with, still interacting with the folks, you know, as you said, the, the troops that are in, say, this, they call it a striker unit. Yeah, I, I mean, that means going to, you know, for if you're listening and you're in a military town, I mean, I'll tell you what, they do things like once a quarter, they'll do like NCO of the quarter and soldier of the quarter awards, right? And they probably won't reach out to you, but lean forward, go find it, go find the command sergeant major there, and you can give them in-kind awards or donations to them, okay? So these people remember that. They go back to their unit and they go, wow, look at this, um, Look at this cordless drill that Madden Real Estate gave me because I was the NCO of the quarter. These are the top soldiers and NCOs in, in their units. You can go to uh, change of command ceremonies. You can uh, help them with costs of them putting on some of their social events. I think the one thing that you'll hear from any service member here is that Fairbanks is one of the most supportive communities for our military. And so it, it's, there's a lot of opportunities to be out there and really supporting uh, the military. So if you lean forward and engage with the command, um, especially if you're in real estate, you, you better be going down to the, uh, the housing office there and, and talking to the, the housing folks. You know, we give free, I go down there and talk about the market to them. You know, the housing, the people that are like talking to every single military per- person that's coming in to, to your base 
or post in your market, well, they all have to go through housing. I mean, you have to. So I go down there and talk to the housing and, and transportation folks and answer any questions that they may have about the market because, you know, I'm establishing myself as a market expert. So who better to explain that than me who happens to be, oh, by the way, retired military. So, you know, just little things like that. I mean, from a grassroots perspective, I think that, you know, and that's the thing is I remember when I was in the military, I used to run away from people who, who, when I felt like I was being chased down because of my, and they were using their military uh, affiliation as an in with me, it was just, it kind of turned me off a little bit. So I never want to be that more hands off and just more, I want to be come across more genuine because I am. Let's switch gears and talk about a, another source of leads for you. You're working with internet leads, and you really have two sources there. You've got what I call free organic website traffic SEO, and then you also have some that you're paying for, pay-per-click on Google AdWords, Realtor.com, Zillow. Let's, let's talk about that free source first, the organic website traffic. What are you doing to, to create that? Why is business coming in off of your website? This is where you got to geek out and learn a little bit about how Google algorithms work. If and if you're not interested in any of that, hire somebody that is. There's a ton of scammers in in that that area, the, the uh, you know that industry. But there's some really reputable companies that can help guide you and mentor you if you don't know what you're doing. But um, main thing is just add content, add content, add content, relevant content for your market keyword-rich content. You're not going to catch me sitting down and going, well, I think I'm just going to blog a little bit to, today on my on my website. I don't do it. I won't do it. So I, I hire somebody to do it. I have somebody that does this stuff, and they're really good. And, and I read them, and I'm like, that's better than I could ever write them. So so have somebody blog on your, on your, uh, on your website. You know, add content. What I do do are a lot of video blogging because I can sit down for two, three minutes, cut a video, and put that on. You know, Google really likes video. Everything that you do should be you should be driving the consumer to your website. So if I have a form I need to send you, instead of just sending an attachment with a form, host that form on your website, send them the link to your website. They download the form from your website and they're on you know, they're on there. So everything just you know, you start looking at it like, how do I just drive every single person to our website as much as I possibly can? You know, and also you know, whatever website vendor that you're using, make sure you got an IDXable or your uh, indexable IDX feed so that all those properties that you have coming into your website, you know, you want Google to be picking those up like their individual individual content pages and you'll see yourself raising in the uh, organic rankings. And, and the thing is, is generating the leads is easy. You got to have a great conversion process. You got to have great accountability with your agents. You know, I think we all agree that we're, you know, in today's world, we're, we're almost drowning in internet-based leads. So, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to generate a, a, a pretty good number of, of internet-based leads, especially with the, the second part that you're going to get to, and that's the paid advertising. But you really got to have your system down in the back end to qualify and, and convert those leads, because without that, you know, it doesn't really matter how many leads you're, you're generating if you're not converting. By doing the items that you mentioned, a lot of keyword-rich blogging posts, the video blogging. Are you able to raise yourself in the search results? And if so, what words are you ranking high for? You know, and this is where the smart SEO people, I lean on them, right? So they, so they look at, you know, and generally speaking, I think the best strategy is to kind of look at all the search words and find the ones that are, you know, because obviously Alaska real estate or Alaska homes for sale, there's, there's a lot of a lot of money being spent by a lot of people to you know have top ranking with that type of search. However, 
you know, maybe something a little more um, off the, you know, off the norm. You might be able to raise in rankings there. So you really need to lean on the expertise of the people that do this for a living, and that's what I do. I, you know, I attempt to like surround myself with vendors and partners that really are the best in what they do, and you know, I take their advice. And you know, I, I I'm not here to be an expert in in all things, but I I do like to surround myself with experts. On the SEO front, do you have a local person that's helping you with that, or are they a national company? And if so, what's their name? National company. I've got a, a Boomtown site, and I have I have Boomtown run my social media and search engine marketing campaigns for me. And then my brand level site, you know, I've had uh, the folks at Prime Seller Leads. They've been great for us. Prime Star Leads got the you know they they do offer some SEO um, help and um, you know the Gruns they they've just been they've been awesome they've really worked out well so so really helping with like generate reports because the other thing too is like you can because I've I've hired companies before where I pay them a lot of money and then they can't report back to me on on you know are we winning or losing how are we doing I mean you know I mean I want to know okay I just spent this money well did we I mean, did we gain some ground here? Did we did we get better? So they should be able to report back to you on the performance of the of the campaigns, and so you know where your money's going. Even if you don't know what you're doing, it should be you know you just demand that you need reporting in it. And you know, I always ask them put it in layman's terms. I don't understand what you're talking about. What does this mean? You know, we've always had a good you know transparent relationship by doing it that way. But yeah, those are two companies that I use right now. So we just talked about free internet, paid internet, this pay-per-click idea, the Google AdWords, Realtor.com, Zillow. Are you running those campaigns? Is someone in your company running those campaigns? Are you also shipping that to outside companies? You mentioned a little bit about Boomtown. Who is handling your paid internet campaigns? Zillow and Realtor.com, Homes.com, any of that, any of that stuff, I route all that through my Boomtown site because I can track the performance. You know, we use trackable links for each of those portals. We we got an API feed for Zillow, and then we do uh, email parsing, lead parsing. Um, so everything funnels into one place for my agents, so it's not confusing if they're bouncing from system to system. And then I'm able to kind of track from an ROI perspective. If I pay X amount of dollars for, let's say, Zillow leads, and I produce X many number of leads that, that resulted in closed sales and generated X amount of commission, you know, some commission income, I, I take the commission income minus the initial investment. That gives me my true return on investment. And I mean, realtor.com and Zillow uh, and even homes.com, they're always in the like 10 to 12 to one ROI range for us. And that is, and it's just buying impressions. I don't do really anything more than that. And then, um, you know, everything else is just, you know, we do some, some light Google AdWords campaigns that usually are targeted to sellers. We get buyer leads coming out of our ears just because we, we rank, you know, we rank high and we've got, you know, we got the listings, but um, the seller leads are really what we want. So we've made this in the last two years, we put a ton of effort towards, you know, what's my home worth call to actions and seller, seller call to actions. Are all of your paid internet campaigns targeting sellers at this time? Yes, as a matter of fact. Well, the majority of them. We do a, a, a little bit of AdWords campaigns and social media campaigns with Boomtown for buyer leads, but we use Boomtown primarily for buyer lead conversion. Prime Seller Leads is, where we, is, is what we use for um, seller lead conversion. 
we just like the ability to manipulate that the experience on the the user facing experience i think is is pretty good with the prime seller leads in my opinion could you walk us through that sales funnel, that the lead funnel there? You put an ad out. What does the ad look like? Where is the ad sending them to from there? Where do they go? Could you kind of give us the flow and some of those details, especially the early part, what the ad looks like and what you're offering out there? Yeah, pretty simple. Usually there's some, some sort of graphic. And that's the thing is we'll run like five ads and for whatever reason, some graphics work better than others. I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know why or some phrases, you know, but uh, what's your home worth question mark, you know, click here for your free instant, you know, home valuation report, you know, I get a click. And uh, what I like with Prime Seller Leads, like, you know, I can make the, the process of registering to get my value, I can make that whatever, whatever I want it to be. So I think we're doing a um, three-step now to where, you know, because what we want them to do is feel, I don't, I don't want someone to click on my ad and go, oh, shoot, I can't believe I clicked on this. I knew I shouldn't have clicked on this. Now they're going to have my information. They're going to bombard me with emails. And, you know, I mean, I don't want, we're not chasing you. We're, we're offering a free service for you to, to hopefully get a close valuation on your home. If you happen to have some questions about the market, we're here to help, but we're not, you know, we want to just offer this up as a free service. That's the angle. So when they arrive at, at the inquiry page, we want them to easily put in their, their property address and their property details because everyone wants to talk about the property, right? What's your condition? How many beds, baths, square footage? And then it goes to another page and asks, you know, in order to deliver your report, what's a valid email? You know, so it's like, well, I can't get, I can't get the report if I don't give them a good email is what they're thinking. So then they give their email, we ask for their phone number and you know hopefully they give us a phone number if they don't that's where prime solar helps, helps us with a reverse lookup so um, the system will look up your your phone number anyways and thanks to social media especially facebook so many people put their their phone numbers out there it's fairly easy to get people's phone numbers anymore but i know that someone's pretty serious in getting that report if they if they're telling us that they're actually selling that they're you know the details of their house timeline for selling you know if they're actually filling out the form i know that you know heck, they're they're pretty they're pretty serious so when that lead comes through it hits our inbox we have a four email drip campaign, I guess you could say, that automatically kicks off. That's very non-intrusive. And it's just kind of reiterating our whole story there where it's we've paid for the service to provide you a value. However, we're comparing apples to oranges here in, in Alaska. You know, no house is the same. We don't have a lot of cookie cutter houses. So it really takes one of our experts to really dial in the value of your home. And if that's something that you're interested in, we can perform that for free. By the time our agent calls, our inside sales agent calls, the client has already gotten a report. They either like it or don't like it. And we already know kind of the heat of the lead. You know, seller leads now, I mean, we're averaging like a year cultivation time. So these are long-term relationship. You know, I, I want to build rapport. I want to validate their information so that they can get the rest of my marketing that we're going to do to our database. I want to provide value, you know, so offer advice. I want them getting off that phone call going, wow, that was a really nice gentleman, a really nice woman that I just talked to a man in real estate. Those guys are pros. And a lot of those little little things that we can like offer value to the prospect. And if we're offering value, they'll open up. And the last thing we close with is you're either setting an appointment or you're asking for a referral. If you do that every time you talk to somebody, you'd be surprised. Sometimes I've given so much value 
in a call before, you know, because we'll do script training calls, that the person is like, yeah, you know what, I, I need to give you a referral. Actually, my neighbor is thinking about selling. Let me, let me, let me get his number for you. And, like, people are just – they want to give you give back, you know. People are – you know, naturally, if I give you something and I, I I don't ask for anything in return, and then I ask you for a referral, people feel like I mean I owe you. I you know I gotta get gotta give you back something. So I mean you can do that through referrals, and you know you're really not you're just asking to help somebody else, and uh, because you just help them. So it's just a very nice conversation. You do that you have that conversation at a very you know high frequency over and over again. And you start creating this pipeline of um, seller leads. You know, outside of the seller leads that we get just naturally through our other marketing mediums, that's how we're getting seller leads from the internet. You mentioned that when they first come in on the landing page, you have a three-step process. One, the first page asks for their property address and some details. Second page asks for a valid email address and maybe a phone number. What's on that third page? That's a great question, as a matter of fact, and I'd probably have to, I'd have to go to it, go through it. Um, <laughs> The last thing we're asking for, I want to say, is 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 the phone number, if I'm not mistaken. Here's what I like about Prime Seller Leads. They've got like six different versions. It's manipulative. So you can play with this. You can make it a two-step. You can make it a one-step. You can make it a three-step. You know, we've toyed with that. I get my listing team in, engaged with this process. You know, we'll, we'll sit there and look at it and say, okay, let's go to the consumer-facing side. So we get on there just like we're um, a potential client. Maybe, maybe I'm someone who's a year out. And I go, okay, what kind of experience am I looking for here if I'm a year out that would, that would lend me to giving up my information? What does the video need to say? What, is the, what do the questions need to say? And in what order? And that's the type of stuff that like, you can get your team engaged with that piece of it, and that kind of buys them in, you know, gets them bought in a little bit on, on what you're doing from a marketing perspective. So that's what we do. We play with it, and if we run that for a couple of weeks, we go, you know what, we're just not getting valid numbers. We need to look at our registration process. We may change it up. So to be honest with you, I don't know what it is right now, but all I know is we're constantly tweaking it until we get the best information, uh, the most consistent um, and you know things change. Things change. People change. I mean, what works? What was a what was a great call to action a month ago may not be may not be that great. You know, this month. So staying on top of that as well is important. What is the baseline conversion that that you're shooting for or that you've achieved before with that first step where they've come in off of the initial ad, they've landed on prime seller leads. How many of those people, if you have 100 people land on prime seller leads, how many of those people do you want to come out the back with their information and they start moving through the process? Another great question. We were somewhere in the, I would say like 30% of the leads that would come through would have, I mean, complete fill out, totally filling out every, you know, the entire form. Another 30% we're doing a reverse lookup on either either the email or a reverse lookup on the phone number, one of the two. So we got one or two, not, not, not full, and the rest are just dead leads. So about 60% of the leads we're getting actionable data from the leads. But again, this ebbs and flows. It does change. We're doing multiple things, too. So I, we also blast out. We use a company called Viral Marketing for our past client, Career of Influence database, you know, relationship marketing, I guess you could say, using video emails. They help us with our video emails. And a lot of times, I mean, what we have on there is we have a call to action on those video emails that goes to, you know, if it's a buyer call to action, it goes to Boomtown site. If it's a seller call to action, it goes to the Prime Seller Lead site. And uh, so that drives, that drives traffic as well. Those tend to be a lot higher quality. The highest quality is, is putting, you know, taking that Prime Seller Leads, what's your home worth widget, sticking it right on the front of your website. 
you know, so they go to our website, they're filling out, they're, you know, they're able to get uh, a quick valuation around the front of the website, and that becomes a lead in the system. So, you know, we also have forms within our website as well. If it's a come list me lead, i.e., we've invested in this marketplace to have mind share in this market. We've been marketing, we've been dominating the airwaves, radio, and television, uh, new, you know, newspaper at one time, not anymore, but also online and, you know, whatnot, that uh, when people think of real estate, they go, oh, I'm mad in real estate. So they're naturally going to our website when, they, when they're thinking of buying or selling, and they'll fill out they'll fill out some of these forms in their entirety. You know, we actually had a lead sheet. I literally just took the lead sheet, all the questions we'd ask, and I just stuck it up and put it as a form. And you'd be surprised how many people would fill it out in its entirety. It's fantastic. I mean, they're already sold on using us. They just need you know, they just want to give their information out. So have those different options. You know, really cold to really hot leads that are totally sold on you. Have different portals by which to become a lead for you. Plus, let me ask a big picture question on these internet leads you're paying for, these seller leads. What is your overall conversion rate? So again, just big picture, you have 100 seller leads that come in off the internet, off these different sources. How many of them are going to come out the bottom and become listings and closings? Great question. Year in, year out, we are at about four points. Literally, like I'm looking at my ROI um, tracker here and... Let's see here. 2015, we're at 4.77% lead-to-sell conversion on all leads and 4.66% lead-to-sell conversion, with the high majority of those being internet-based leads, which isn't bad when you consider the majority of them are internet-based leads. You know, that being said, you know, last year we generated uh, over 12,000 leads. That's a lot of leads. I have it broken down per website, per medium here. The ones that are great conversion really comes like, you know, like Zillow, Zillow and Realtor.com perform really well for us. What are those conversion percentages? Last year for us, uh, Zillow was 6.45%. And again, this is reported by my agents, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm totally relying on them. 10.49% uh, for Realtor.com and uh, Homes.com, which is the other portal that we use, uh, 11.43%. So that gives a little insight on the on the lead quality of those three mediums. So I mean, we keep we keep that budget in there because I mean we're converting and in the ROI um, ROI wise, we were 17 to one on Zillow, uh, Realtor.com's 14 to one, and Homes.com was about five to one. So you know, I'd like to be seven to one or higher on all those, and that's that's kind of like our goal, and we do really well. All that being said. Uh, no ROI tops, you know, repeat clients and SOI clients and, and client referrals. So, I mean, that's, that's really our main focus there. And uh, everything else is kind of ancillary off that piece of the business. That's really is the biggest part of our, and it's big, our biggest lead generator for us. You mentioned that it takes one year on average now to cultivate these seller leads. That's amazing. You know, we usually think about that for buyer leads that these sellers are looking that far in advance. So let's talk about real quickly that campaign over a year. You mentioned initially they get four quick drip emails, an ISA phone call. How quick are those emails? What's in them? How soon is that phone call? And then what happens after that initial contact? I think that you need to tailor your message to your market. And as you can imagine, people that live in Alaska do not like being chased, marketed to, 
they don't dial 1-800 numbers. They are like, you know, so things that may work in a large metro market does not work here. And I think you need to really understand what works in your market, right? So when I would just like pepper people with these like uh, kind of ridiculously long email drip campaigns, people felt like they're being chased too much and you're, you just push them too much. So really make an effort to make sure we're not pushing too much. And I'm, I'm kind of logging in here to see if I can't find um, some of my drips while we're talking here and, and maybe read off a couple. But, you know, and, and, it, and you know, something else too is you got you got to really make sure that you're going through and, and updating your drips. You know, something that bugs me is like misspellings or font issues, you know, anything like that. You just got to, you just got to be, be cognizant of that stuff. But yeah, I've, I've ran, you know, 15 email drip lists. I've ran four, you know, like the, our simple four email one. And, and, you know, now when I say four emails, I mean, it's four emails to buy you time to, to, to when I call them. After I, after I call and qualify you, if I think that we're going to do business with you in the next year or two, or you're just like, you're a client that I want to work with or, or a property that I eventually want to sell, guess what? They own the house. If I have your information, I'm, I want to maintain contact with you. And the one thing that nobody, you know, that, that people don't want to unsubscribe from is if I send you market data. If I'm following up with you, if my drip campaign, my drip campaign should be a seller e-alert, in my opinion. I mean, I, I set myself up on one because I want to know, you know, hey, what are the houses that sold in my neighborhood? I'm curious, and I'm, I, I own the company. I do, you know, I do this. So I want to know what's selling and what's, what's for sale, and uh, that helps me stay on top of the market. So we just find that if you do that, again, you're just sending information. I'm not, I can't make you sell, you know. And it's crazy how many times you call somebody and they go, whoa, 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 I don't want to sell my house. So I'm like, well, I can't make you sell your house, actually. Um, I merely just want to provide you information. And that's really hard for people to understand that you, why you would want to, you know, give them something for, for essentially what they perceive to be free. So so it's just refreshing, I think, when you're not chasing them because every other agent in the marketplace is probably just chasing the heck out of them. So, yeah, in my, my drip email list is this simple. It's a quick thank you followed by uh, day two. I got some questions about your valuation Day six, I'm doing a check-in with a link to our market trends reports, and then day nine, you know, and there's call to actions on each of those emails, and then and then uh, day nine, I got a did I drop the ball email, which almost always uh, elicits some sort of response. But somewhere in there, that gives us that gives us nine days to get a phone call in. We should have already made contact by that. And that's the other nice thing with seller-based leads is I don't have to respond them quickly like buyer leads. You know, buyer leads are response time window for our company is 15 minutes. If a buyer lead comes in and it hasn't been responded to uh, via phone call within 15 minutes, that's, that's free game. The ISAs can, can grab it, take it, convert it. And that's just our standard here because we know that after 15 minutes, they've probably already stumbled across someone else's website or contacted someone else. And, you know, that's just, you know, tends to be kind of the magical number for us. But we were talking about I do have a video we just went over with our team here. I, you know, we had a report from Boston Logic, Mike. So Boston Logic did a study on, on leads and cultivation timelines. And they said the average transaction happened 384 days after lead was generated, 344 days for buyers and 422 days for sellers. So I, I think, you know, when you're online, you're looking around, you're on Facebook, yeah, you see, I mean, I don't know about you. I see, like, you know, I see those call to actions all over the place. So, I mean, the, the ability to, like, 
to maybe just um, click on something and, and uh, uh, get a, a quick valuation of my house. It's so prolific now. I think that's why the cultivation period is just, is just taking so much longer. So if we can convince you, you know, I know what the market is now. I don't know what the market's going to be in the future. So, you know, really stay on top of your scripts and say, what can I talk about or what can I present to get them motivated or excited about selling and working with me now as opposed to waiting? For us, you know, you just look at us. I just told you earlier in the call, you know, we're in historic times. We've never been faced with a $4 billion shortfall in our state's budget. No one knows what the recession's going to be or look like, you know. And the folks that have been in Alaska back in the 80s and the 83, the post-pipeline years that, like, you know, made it through that, and that was a total housing the housing market completely collapsed here. So people that remember that, and if I say, hey, we, I don't know what the recession's bringing, but, you know, it's not always good, they remember that. I could probably motivate somebody to sell this year as opposed to next year. I think as long as you're, you know, overall understand, I think from the 30,000 foot view, understand that the majority of your seller leads are not, you know, internet based seller leads are not ready to transact business right away. Um, it's a long term play. You got to provide value. You got to, you got to um, validate their information and put them in the some sort of long term cultivation process that you're sending them valid information, ideally property values. And and eventually, when they decide to sell, and everyone who owns a, a home at at some point in time, whether it's when you whether it's when you die and your estate takes care of selling your house, you're gonna sell that property. And if you're gonna sell that property, you will have been receiving years of my marketing and and years of my market data. You're gonna want to you know hopefully call us and list with us. And that's that's kind of my overall look at the internet internet based seller leads. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. So, you had those initial contacts with through email, your we're shooting to make a call with your ISA and get hold of them, qualify them. They look good. They're going to go into a, a drip campaign. The best item to send out to them is property values. How often do you send the property value report? Is that going out monthly, quarterly? What's the frequency there? And also, what are then the follow-up phone calls that you're making their frequency? What we train our ISAs to do is uh, once a month. Any more than once a month, our unsubscribes jump. So once a month, our unsubscribes are almost nil. And then if they, and then the follow-up is three months or half of whatever they say. If they say like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm thinking about selling next year. You know, I call you in three months. Has something changed? I mean, usually once a quarter, you know, things change. You know, I mean, three months is a long time. So that is not too much to ask. Set it to do. You know, I mean, you can work a large number of leads over a long period of time if you set that type of follow-up schedule. You know, and be smart about it. If someone says that they're, you know, six months out from selling, we need to start now. You know, so the folks that I'm putting on some sort of like drip and uh, follow-up timeline, maybe the people that are a year or plus out are like not even, they're kind of sort of dabbling with the idea of selling. I mean, if you are thinking of selling within the year or six months, we need to be moving now. So, that's kind of how you can kind of get your foot in the door. It's like, I need to come out and take a look at your place now to help you with condition upgrades. You don't want to be waiting. You know, there may be some things that you're working on this summer 
that aren't going to help you with your final sales price. You know, I can probably save you some money and time and energy and effort if we focus on the things that are going to actually help you sell. So that's valuable information and doesn't cost you anything. That sounds like a script to use. Thank you very much. Wes, let's do this. Let's shift gears now and talk about your core business, which is coming from repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence. It's almost 60% of your business. Let's dig into that for a second. First of all, how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? We have a lot of contacts in the database. I got 42,000 valid emails that we email market to. So we're talking to 42,000 folks. You know, obviously we have, you know, uh, closing in on 4,000 past clients, three of influences, you, you know, we, I, you know, I put at less than a thousand if we, you know, I'd, we limit our, our SOI to all of our agents to, to 50, you know, any more than 50, you're not, you're not really, you know, you, you know, it's, it's, it's too big of a sphere. I mean, it should be a small group that you focus on, um, you know, contacting once a quarter. I mean, it's not realistic to have 100 people in your quote-unquote sphere and think that you're taking them out to lunch on a routine basis. But if you have less than 50 people and you, and you really focus on um, driving that relationship and asking for referrals on a consistent basis, you can create a little army of referral machines. You know, and if all your agents, if you provide the tools and the motivation and the, and the education, show your agents how that's possible, you know, they should be bringing in, I mean, I expect my agents to be bringing in 30% of their business through their, their sphere of influence, their, their prospecting efforts. Because the one challenge with a team model is your agents be, can become really complacent and have an entitlement mentality. You know, you can sit back and just say, well, I'll just wait till the next lead comes in that falls on my lap that wants to buy or sell real estate. I'll just wait, you know, instead of really going out and and making it happen. So, you know, that's the balance that you got to have within your team, keeping them hungry and making sure that the expectation is that they, they, they do need to be prospecting and working with their people. Because you know what? You know what the conversion rate is on your share of influence? Well, it's 100%. So I would rather work with, you know, I'd rather make my, you know, spend my time, calling or prospecting my SOI and converting at 100% than working internet-based leads of strangers at 4.6%. It just makes better sense, right? Sure. Where are you keeping these core people, these past clients and sphere of influence? It looks like just under 5,000. What software are you using? So I use a product called PropertyBase, which is built on the Salesforce Enterprise CRM. And then from there, we've built, you know, we've, I'm an independent brokerage, so we've kind of built all of our back office software, all of our reporting and dashboards that we need, accountability dashboards. I mean, we run everything through, the, um, through Salesforce, through property base there. Do you ever remove people out of your past client or sphere of influence database? And if so, why? You know, I don't. Never. I don't, I don't think. Um, I even put in... We adopt buyers and sellers as well. So if I didn't represent the buyer or seller on the other side, I'll put their information in my database too. Because it's not uncommon for us to get a, you know, get a listing from someone who, you know, if we adopted them as a buyer, and they get our mailings, you know, after the transaction, of course. Okay, don't don't violate any of your ethics laws. You know, check your ethics laws in your in your state. But after the transaction, we you know we put them in there, and and sometimes we're the only ones communicating with them after the sale and they go, geez, I bought a house. I didn't even buy, I didn't even work with you. And you're the only one that's talked to me for the last three years. I'm going to list my house with you guys. So I, in my opinion, and, and I've kind of, I, I've gone back and forth. There was a time, there was a point in time where I guarded my CRM, like gold. I kept it like right around 5,000 people. 
information was validated. I, they, were, they were all really good contacts, and I started saying, you know what? I went to Salesforce because, and even top producer, any CRM platform, you could probably do this, but you can segment your 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 list however you want to. So, you know, with a database, the information is only as good as what you put in there. So, you should have some sort of ability to be able to segment that list down. If I want to pull up all my past clients, I could do that with a couple of clicks of a button. If I want to blast everybody, I can. If I want to blast my military clients, I should be able to do that. If I want to, you know, if I want to hit my sellers, I could do that. I just sent out a blast email to all of our pending. You know, like for instance, we sent out a quick email. We had, uh, I don't know, we have like 100 pending right now. So, and the title company in town is experiencing delays. So I quickly segmented that list, sent out an email and just said, hey, thanks for your patience. You know, just want to let you know that we're experiencing delays at the title company. Thanks for your patience in advance. You know, you should be able to do that. And if you're not able to do that with your CRM, learn how to because it's a, it's, a, it's a great tool to be able to mass communicate with intent to a very selected group of people. What exactly are you doing over the course of a year to stay in front of your past clients and sphere of influence? We've kind of done it all. What I find that um, is easiest for, for me to do that I'll actually do on a consistent basis that's easy and, and like I said, duplicatable and and, and effective is, um, you know, I work with Viral. We send out viral marketing, video emails, you know, as well as text-only emails with certain call-to-actions. I, I hit everybody with, with some of those uh, broad viral emails. I'll also do some hyper-local stuff. So I'll also have a segmented local list. So let's say I want to send – we have a raving fan club for our past clients, right? So I want to hit my past clients in Fairbanks that I know live in Fairbanks and North Pole. I hit them with a buy a local coupon program so we get local vendors to donate us uh, an exclusive coupon once a month for our clients. So like last month was a, a pet store. Pet store offered 20% off dog beds and a free leash if you present this coupon that they had to download um, that says exclusive for Madden real estate clients. So it's exclusive, it's valuable, and uh, there was like 150, 175 downloads of that coupon. So I send that out, 175 people download the coupon, go to Cold Spot Feeds and say, hey, I'm a Madden client, I'd like to get 20% off this dog bed and get my free leash. So in return, you know, I didn't charge Cold Spot anything. The only thing I ask them is, please tell your employees that if they talk to anybody when they're in the store, if they're thinking of buying or selling real estate, please send them to Madden Real Estate. We, we want to support you. You're a locally owned business. We're a locally owned business. Let's help each other. And it just creates that goodwill amongst other businesses in, the, in, your, in your community. And like I said, small communities like this, it's very impactful. And uh, if you can pull that off and do that very consistently, like I said, you're creating that army of people who feel that it is, you know, their duty to send anybody that that brings up the word real estate to you, and that's how you get to 60% referral-based business like we are. The Raving Fan Club, is that everyone in this past client sphere of influence database, the all 5,000, or is it a subset? Is it only people who've sent you a referral, for instance? Uh, Who's in the Raving Fan Club? I'll tell you, we're not that accurate with it, and, and when in doubt, we just lump them in, you know what I mean? I did have somebody um, come to me and they said, hey, I'm getting a referral, um, your raving fan club emails, and I, did, I actually didn't buy a house for you. I'm like, that's okay. We'll keep you in it. It's all right. You know? <laughs> I, won't t- I won't tell anyone. You know? so, you know, so it's fine. I'm not, I'll be honest. Yeah, I don't segment it out that much. You know, if you happen to be in it and you didn't buy a house for this, don't really care. Uh, you know, it's really all about the message because even if you didn't, you're getting that email and you're going, wow. 
maybe I should buy a house because these guys do a lot of really cool stuff for their clients. So we're definitely not the best at this. We're consistent. We've been consistent for a long time. There's other smarter people out there in the industry that, that do some really killer stuff for their clients. But you have to really just know your market, know your people. If I show up at a listing presentation in a suit in Fairbanks, Alaska, they throw me out of the house because I'm dressed in a suit, right? So I got to be, you know what I mean? You got to like dress down, talk, you know, you got to talk appropriately to your clients. So just know, know your clientele, know what they would perceive to be value. Uh, sending recipe cards to uh, my database would be totally talking down to my client, to my database. Well, unless it was like my secret salmon recipe. That may be well-received in Alaska, but I would just say avoid talking down to your database. That's all. So, Wes, the, the Raving Fan Club, the coupon, it goes out once a month. Viral marketing, the video and the text, how often do those emails go out? You know, we shoot for two, two months with viral. And that's, and that's explaining things like, hey, why should I get a home inspection when I list my house? You know, what are closing costs? You know, answering those questions. And we make it fun. You know, the video's got to be great. You know, I sit there and I go, if someone's going to sit their computer or on their iPad or, or iPhone or, or mobile phone or whatever, better watch my video. It better be entertaining. I'm not going to bore them talking about, you know, so I'm pretty animated on them. They're fun to watch. You know, people look forward to them. I got people that go, man, I just look forward to getting your emails or your, those videos. They're, they're hilarious. We always laugh. I had my kids in there one time and they were making faces in the background. I mean, I don't know. Just have fun with it. And, it's, and then it's not a chore. You're just having, you're having fun communicating to your people. Is there anything else that you're sending out to your past clients in Sphere of Influence over the course of a year? Any other emails, hard mail, phone calls? Not consistently at this time. I mean, I've dabbled in a lot of things. I've did, I, you know, I've done newsletters, uh, you know, paper newsletters, virtual newsletters. You know, it just uh, uh, my time. You had, I had to look at it and say, as the CEO of this company, what, what is the, what should I be focused on? You know, because I only have 24 hours a day, just like everybody else, right? So. What should I be spending my time on? And um, sitting there figuring out how to write uh, write out a newsletter is just not you know, not one of those things. Or, um, or you know, or even phone calls. You know, we got we have enough. I mean, every business is different. Every market is different. We have an, enough actionable business right now that we we don't have the personnel at this time with our company to be doing outbound calling. Although I wouldn't I wouldn't mind doing like you know we'll do a mass dial. You know, maybe a mass call through like through like a slide dial type system if there's some event or something that we're inviting people to. But I definitely don't abuse that. Like I said, it's just people like their privacy in Alaska. You don't move to Alaska to be inundated with marketing. So I got to respect that and make sure that I'm very tasteful and selective in in my message and frequency. Do you hold events or parties for past clients? This is something that we've struggled with, you know, and I've picked the brains of some of the top minds in the country on this, and there's some really great ideas out there. There's some people who just do some fantastic stuff. challenge with us is if it's in the summer, you know, if I hold an event, we're very busy in the summer. I, I do not want to be, you know, I just kind of look at it and I go, if I only have 10 weeks in the summer that I can go fishing, I'm probably not going to spend a weekend hanging out with my realtor. I mean, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe I do, but I, I'm going to be out enjoying Alaska. That's what Alaskans do. They get out. Um, they're not going to, you know, so I would, I have, to, you know, we normally do like a quick, a barbecue or something during the week, not on the weekend because weekends people are out doing stuff. So during the week, during the lunch hour, pop by, you know, probably do a remote with the radio, you know, have the radio com- the station come over. So we're broadcasting it and, you know, grill some, 
grill some hot dogs, say thank you to all of our, our clients, and hopefully we get a good turnout, give out, give some prizes. We get a lot of swag from our from our local vendors, you know, preferred vendors that we have, the coupon list, and you know, on our preferred partner program. They donate a lot of it, so we're not having to pay for it, and they get the publicity of it too. And that's about it. I, I mean, I you know, we've we've kind of looked at doing other things before, and it be just pulling it off has just been tough because if you do something in the winter, well, everyone bugs out of here in the winter. Everyone goes to Hawaii and warm places. So it's just been tough to get be consistent there. We haven't quite nailed it beyond, you know, doing a barbecue in the in the summer to say thanks. And I wouldn't say we've really crushed it with, uh, with participation, but it, I think it's just a function of our market in, in Alaska, to be honest. So the core thing that you're doing is you're sending out these emails, maybe two to three a month, viral, and then your raving fan club. You also mentioned earlier you have call to actions that are working really well in those emails. What are the call to actions? If you're looking to buy, click here. If you're looking to sell and need to know what your home's worth, you know, click here for your free valuation. And if you're looking for a career in real estate, we're always looking for talented people to join our team. Those are the three things I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for buyers, sellers, and, and new people to join the ranks of our team. So in each one of those call to actions should should link to the appropriate pages. That you, that you want them to go with a trackable link, so I can so then I can then I can gauge the engagement on that email. Also below my video, I'll, I'll have some other I may have some other link if it's specific to the call. You know, if it's downloading a coupon, you know, it's kind of neat what messages work and don't work. If I you know if I'm talking about a, you know the cleaning company that. Uh, you know that I want maybe I get like a ten percent off a whole house clean. I'm gonna give a personal some personal story, some endorsement, you know, I mean, it's essentially a celebrity endorsement. It, it, you know, it's an endorsement from someone that, you know, they trust me. So if I say I trust these people too, and I kind of put a, a story to it and it sounds very genuine. And I tell you, just click this button down here and download the coupon and give Connie a call and she'll come clean your place. And it's the best thing you've ever done for your marriage, you know, take a note guys. So, <laughs> you know, I think my story was someone, I send that out like somewhere around mother's day. I'm like, Hey, it's mother's day is right, right around the corner. Do yourself a favor. All you guys out there, you hope you're paying attention, download this and do this for your wife, you know, and you can thank me later next time I see you. So some sort of message like that, I'm telling you, you know, so that cleaning, you know, that cleaning lady, she's going to be ecstatic because I just sent her a hundred, a hundred jobs right there, you know? So just a little bit of thought like that ahead of time and make it consistent. And so every year we've got the same video, you know, it's the same videos, the same email and it's just, you know, we update the coupon and it works. So you kind of get your system and it's only 12. I mean, you're talking about 12 messages a year. That's what you're maintaining, and it's um, you just got to kind of buckle up and do it. And if, it, if it's executed well and consistently, it, it, you can have great returns. It sounds like you have a very simple program going out to your past clients as sphere of influence, two to three emails per month, very light, a lot of humor, and this is resulting in an incredible flow of business back into you, 60% of your business. So you're talking about what, about 300 transactions are coming back in from this simple process. Yeah, and being able to think about it, if, you know, as you grow, as your marketing budget grows, determining what actually caused them to take action becomes infinitely tougher, okay? So at the end of the day, I may come in, I may come in as a, let's say I come into my Boomtown system and I'm a Google lead, right? So I, I saw a Google ad, or so I did a Google search, I typed in Madden Real Estate or whatever, and, and my Boomtown site comes up, and I and I click on that, and I become a lead. The client, so the agent gets it. Well, the agent doesn't have a conversation with that person at the time that they transact business, and say, "Hey, what? I noticed that you did a Google search, and you came in, and you came into my website, and that's how we connected, right?" If I just took that lead and I said, "Oh, it's a Google lead," 
I'm probably not uncovering the story. So you got you got to train your agent and train your people to go a couple levels deep. You know, have a question. You know, and say, hey, what what compelled you to perform that Google search to find us? By the way, do you remember? And hold, if you could do it at the time that you first contact them, they'll remember. And you'd be surprised how many times they go, well, you know. Yeah, I hear you on the radio, and I saw you on TV, and I, you know, I mean, it's hard not to see you online. But I'll tell you, Bob at work, he was talking about, you know, you guys selling his house. He said you guys did a bang up job. That right there, that is a that is a past client referral. That is a past client referral, and that at that time, your agent should be trained to say, oh, Bob, Bob, what's his last name? Okay, Bob Smith. Great. Well, now I, I query my database. I find out who worked with Bob Smith, and I and, and our system has to where we automatically fill out a. Uh, a thank you card, and Bob Smith get a thank you card right to him. If you've got the time, give Bob a call and say, hey, thanks for telling Tom Jones all about our experience. I really appreciate your referrals. And just a little thank you. You don't need to send them any, you don't need to buy them a gift certificate or anything. Just send them a thank you and just acknowledge that, hey, I really appreciate you sending this person to us. It means a lot. So it's easy to do when you're, when you're like a smaller team or if it's just you, right, to do that process right there. What gets tough is creating a system to where as you got 36 people, like I got, keeping that personal touch and keeping that, you know, those things. And that's where you got to have a system in place to do that and good training with your agents. Let's talk about your, your last main source of leads for your business. Then you've mentioned a few times you have radio and television. Let's talk about radio first. What are you doing with radio ads? I work with Matt Wagner and that uh, radio and television experts been there for, I don't know, six, seven years. Um, and that's, Matt really like just put, he's pivotal in my media. Um, I mean, he's my media agent. Um, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not an expert at radio and television advertising. I pay those guys to do it, right? And, and that's money well worth spent. It's amazing how few ads I have out there but yet they're placed in just the right times to where it sounds like I'm on the radio all the time. I mean, people, you know, so Matt's the science behind it. Matt just knows, you know, we know what stations have the most listenership. He'll figure that out. He'll figure out what times we should be advertising on there. And then most importantly, what's the message? You know, you only got a couple seconds to grab someone's attention so they have a call to act, you know, for a call to action to actually work. You know, I listen to all these, like, radio ads, and, and I see these television ads, and I just go... Right, it is like branding ads. There's no call to action. It doesn't make me want to do something. So I've got to get your attention and then, you know, describe some sort of pain point that viewer or listener can, can associate with and then explain how I can how I can alleviate that pain for you and then how you contact me. And if it's good and if it's compelling and you've delivered that message well, it's going to be an actionable and effective ad. And so... You know, and then the other thing that Matt does for us is gets the celebrity endorsements, whether it's, you know, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, Barbara Corcoran, you know, got to meet Barbara Corcoran several times, shoot TV commercials with her. I mean, you start, you throw that on first break during Shark Tank. If I'm watching Shark Tank and all, all of a sudden here comes, well, here comes Wes, Wes and Babs hanging out, you know, and she's endorsing this guy. Who am I going to call? Well, if I'm a Shark Tank fan... I going to call this West Madden guy, you know? So it's that the celebrity endorsements are really huge. The radio ads, are those you talking? Are you speaking the ads or is it say a DJ speaking for you? Both. So if I'm listening to the talent, if there's a DJ that I'm listening to and I listen to him every day and, and he endorses, you know, my company, that's a celebrity endorsement. So 
So we choose, yeah, we choose who we have read our ads based on their listenership. You know, AM radio is fantastic. Some of your shock jocks are like really, poor, really popular, like morning DJs. They have huge followings. And when they say, you know, call my boy West, you know, he sold my house, he sold my parents' house, and he sold my grandparents' house. You know, he's done it for me. He'll do it for you. Give him a call. He's the best. It's powerful, you know. It's, those celebrity endorsements are huge, and so I would encourage anybody. You know, I mean, the best thing you could do is get the get the actual talent to read, you know, read your ad. But even better, like turn them into a client. Like interact with the radio stations, TV stations, and actually make them clients. Because then it's not even they're not even reading the script. They're just talking from experience, and that is invaluable. So you know, I mean, there's several DJs that we've over, you know, that I that voice our ads that. I mean, I let them do live reads because I've helped them sell their house. I helped them buy a house or build a house. I mean, they're such raving fan clients. I don't even really need to give them a whole lot of script. They just they just rant and rave about the awesome experience that they had. You know, it's hard to put a price on on that. Let's look at the return on investment. You've talked about that on some of the other areas. What is the return on investment for you with your radio ads? So return on investment radio ads. So this is one that's really. So it's all. It's always been tough to really pinpoint just what the return on investment is because it's a great. Because radio and television is an absolutely fantastic secondary and tertiary lead source. And what I mean by that is the main reason that I maybe call us might be because Bob Smith talked about his wonderful experience, and I said, you know, I should probably do that. You know, so I, I give that light. But I'm listening to the radio. And I'm hearing you every time I drive in the in the town. I, you know, I turn on the TV and I see you on TV. I mean, it's working, okay? It's working. It's giving you mind share. Uh, you know, if I'm a year out, remember, if I'm a year out, I mean, I'm I'm seeing you talk about your guaranteed sell program and all this, all these, you know, the easy exit listing program, all these things. I hear you talking about all these things, and they're all very compelling. But I'm a year out. I'm not ready to take action. But you know, when the time I do. It might be because Bob Smith's referral was most important, but that doesn't mean that radio and television didn't play a significant part. You know, they, you know, radio and t- TV usually accounts for about 10% of our business, uh, somewhere around there, where someone says, literally, that is what made, you know, your radio, and our radio show has been very effective for that too. I, I do a radio show on Fridays from 1230 to 1. Engage with the audience, open up the phone lines every day, answer questions, um, and we just rock it. So it, it does really well. It's a little harder to track your ROI. You said at least you know at least ten percent of your business has come in from it, so that'd be about sixty closings. How much are you investing each year in radio and television ads? Fluctuates uh, upwards of uh, sixty-five, seventy-five thousand dollars a year. So I mean, it's 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 ex- it's expensive. I mean, that in a major market, you know, that's the thing with radio and television; it can get very expensive. That's actually, you wouldn't believe how much, you know, with that spend right there, you wouldn't believe how much, how much ad space we actually get with that. But once you've been on for long enough, what I've, what I'm doing now is I'm getting people to sponsor my ads and sponsor my shows. So I'm not, you know, like my radio show, I, you know, I've got vendors that we, you know, if I'm a, I have a home improvement company or a plumbing showcase company is what they are. I mean, they got the, they got products that they sell for uh, kitchen and bathroom models, home remodels, kind of a boutique store. They're sponsoring my radio show. And in return, I give an intro, outro, and, and I do a mid, mid-show break and talk about, you know, if you're looking to remodel your house, you know, go see Katie over at the Plumbing Showcase show, and this is why. And I explain it. I explain why that's a great thing. And, that, and that's So I'm, I'm now doing – I've now established myself as a celebrity, so now I'm the one giving the celebrity endorsements. 
I just ran some real fast numbers. If you take 10% of your GCI, it's about 380,000. If you're investing 65 to 75,000 a year, you're basically looking at about a five to one ROI on the business that you know about, and you think that there may be additional benefit coming in. Yeah, and, you know, so not quite at that seven to one ROI threshold that I told you earlier that I look for, you know. But I don't look at it and go, oh, well, this is a dog. I'm going to cut it out because I know that it's it's working. It's just a secondary or tertiary lead source, and it's very effective. You know, it really helps. It's a very it's a it's a great complement to everything else that I'm that we're doing. It's building your credibility and your expert status. Bingo, bingo, absolutely. And you know, it also gives it also gives your people. It gives your people something to talk about that, that builds rapport faster and trust. If I talk to you and if in, in our first conversation, you say something about, yeah, you know, I might, you say something about Shark Tank. And I say, yeah, I, can't you believe it? They're Weston, you know, Weston Barbara. Yeah, they were hanging out in, in New York, you know, last January. You know, you said that was a great time. You learned a lot from her. I just, I, I mean, I just like sped towards, uh, you know, really developing trust with that client, and I'm, you know, I'm in my first conversation with them. So, if you use it right, you script your, if you script your people right, and they know how to use that, you know, use those endorsements, it could really be valuable for them. Let's talk about your team. First thing, could you please give us a quick, broad stroke outline of your team? And we're always adding to the team. So, you know, sometimes it's tough to track. I got to like, like once a month, I got to look at, you know, we're like in full growth mode right now. So, uh, but we've got, right now we've got 13 buyer specialists. They work primarily with, with buyers. We got five listing partners that work primarily with sellers. Two inside sales agents. We got one REO specialist. We have one listing coordinator that oversees all of our listings. We have uh, four escrow coordinators, a little heavy on escrow but one of those escrow coordinators is actually our chief of staff, so she's actually in charge of all of the, uh, the entire uh, administrative staff. We have a field coordinator that makes us look good out there in, on the streets. I've got four virtual assistants that I use, um, offshore virtual assistants. These guys are really the backbone of our admin staff. We could not do what we do or carry out the systems that we do without them. They're some of our best employees, actually. And with the turnover that we have, uh, with the turnover that we have in Alaska, they are a great stable piece of our our staff. So they've really been invaluable. Also allows us to be able to pay our people more and put our people more of like a man, you know. So instead of having someone, you know, bringing people in, um, I got to pay people really well in Alaska. I mean, the cost of living is really high. So I'm pretty adamant about providing benefits to my employees and. I can only do that if I'm taking some of those very, you know, the, you know, nothing's too small to outsource. You outsource that out to, you know, a lot of the that entry tasks that a VA can do. Now I can kind of elevate my employees to almost like kind of a man, more of a management role, as opposed to be a, a, you know, a bottom line employee. So it just kind of gives, it just kind of helps the mindset too. And and most importantly, I can pay them a little more. Two directors of first impressions. I got an executive assistant that works with me and also helps with new, uh, new construction land development. We've got a bookkeeper, director of operations, and myself, CEO. I think I've got a sales manager in there too. I do have one of those listing partners is, a, is our sales manager. He oversees the entire sales team, uh, handles the accountability one-on-ones, and runs the sales, sales meetings and, and whatnot. Would you mind walking us through how you're compensating those folks? This is something that I've been racking my brain about for several years because I didn't really feel like what we're doing in the industry is, is necessarily scalable, especially when we start 
moving to multiple markets. Uh, you know, if I have a sales agent in another marketplace and I say, hey, there's a cost to the value that we're providing of, of this, I mean, it's just, it just needs to be scalable. I think it's market to market, but what we did was we actually hired a, a firm called uh, Compensation Masters. What we did was we came up with some comp plans for our sales associates that actually linked their comp plan to the performance of the company. Because what was happening was, was, here we are, I'm running this $4 million company, and my agents are printing paper like it's, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm going, hey, we're paperless. And I'm like, well, what do I care? I'm on a 50% split or whatever. That, you know, there's no connection between the agent and the performance of the company, and there should be. So what we do is we calculate out, we actually took all the fixed expenses of the company, calculated a break-even, gave everybody a break-even, and said, listen, once you hit this break-even, boom, you accelerate up to this, um, this higher split structure, which is kind of, it's really exciting. And then once you hit this, then you accelerate to another one that's really exciting also. So the idea there is each agent is an individual economic unit. That top producer is not subsidizing all the lower producers because I see all these teams that have every one of these like just standard splits and I go, well, I mean, if I'm just crushing it and I'm, and I'm, I'm killing it. I mean, if you look at, I mean, if you kind of throw it in like a, a modeling software, if you threw it in like a six Sigma, like modeling software, it's going to show you that those top producers are subsidizing those lower producers and they're going to eventually feel disenfranchised and, and they're going to say it's not fair and equitable. And then they then they leave and you don't want to leave. You don't want, you don't want those top producers to leave. You want to be with you, and most of the times I think they probably would stay. It's just the economic model doesn't make sense, so make it make sense. So that's what we did. We're in our first year. We just launched the plans. Well, you know, I'll report back to you in a year. Hopefully, everyone's incentivized to sell a lot more because we end up uh, at the end of the day, if everyone does, we're paying them a lot more. But uh, but the bottom line is taken care of first, and that's that's the beauty of what Compensation Master is able to do for us and what they did for us. And we're excited. I'm very hopeful for it. It also allowed us to, to we created our own profit share plan based on you know total GCI brought into the into the company as well as uh, longevity. You know, longevity was an important thing. If you've been if you've been with the company for three, seven, or ten years, we're going to give you you know you get a bump. And um, ideally, we do our award ceremony at the same time as our holiday party in January. That's our end of year time. And we do like, you know, that's where we get up, dole out all of our awards. And I'm going, oh, it's a great time to be handing out bonus checks to everybody. It'd be a fun, I make the night even funner. So that's what we're doing there. Uh, back to I, uh, ISAs, and, you know, we're doing a thousand bucks a month base salary plus 10% of uh, uh, closed deals. So the inside sales agents, that, that's pretty clear to understand. $1,000 a month plus 10% of the GCI. With the listing partners and the buyer specialists, prior to this new compensation program, what were you paying them the prior years? Was it, was it also a very simple format? Yeah, I had, uh, you know, if you're a listing partner, start, we started you at um, 30%. Once you, once you took your first 10 listings, you know, we graduated at 35%, and there you sat. Um, 35%, no escalation or anything. Um, and then on the buyer side, uh, we did 40, 40, 50 resetting each month. So, you know, what would happen is, is I would, you know, and I never thought that this would happen. I thought that agents would just go, well, I'll just sell a bunch each month, each month and I'll be in that 50% range more of the time and I'll make more money. But what they were doing is like pushing deals in the next month to like stack the deals up and, you know, and get 50% on this one because it's a higher sale than this one. And like, they're just gaming the system. And, and at first I'm going, what the heck is wrong with these people? Or I mean, people, you know. What's the deal? And I started thinking, I'm like, listen, they're just humans. They're not, I mean, I don't blame them. I don't, you know, I wouldn't do it. Cause, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that way, but you, you got to realize that, you know, I can't get, just get, sit here and get disappointed and be mad at them for doing that when, 
you know, they're just, they're just humans. And, and the other thing too is we're, we're growing. Okay. So if you're growing a business, your agent is not going to sit there and go, yeah, I can't wait to bring in more salespeople. And the way that they're going to think is, well, I'm just diluting the leads and the opportunity for me. So why would I do that? Why would I help Wes grow the company and bring in more salespeople when I'm a salesperson fighting for that, fighting for a, for a lead myself or so I perceive, right? Well, in actuality, as we grow, no one's ever like, you don't lose production. We all know. I mean, we know that, but uh, they don't, you know, and it's a what's in it for me type approach to it. So with this type of comp plan where everybody's an individual economic unit, the break-even point next year could be lower. If, I, if we bring on five more salespeople that are all producing, that's spreading the, those fixed expenses out across five more people. That means I'm going to accelerate to that higher pay break much faster. So now, guess what? I just incentivize all my people to recruit. The more people we bring on that are producing, the lower the, you know, the, lower the nut is. And, it's, you know, and that's the thing is, is they're not business people. A lot of these folks in the business, they just, you know, I want to I teach them business. I want, I want to create leaders in the company. And the comp plan has got to reinforce those behaviors and, and reinforce those teachings. Wes, could you give us a, a couple quick specifics about your current comp plan? For instance, what is the break-even point that, say, one of your buyer or listing agents has to meet, and what percentage or how are you compensating them up to that point? There's several different plans. We got, And we have the rolling average plans, too. You know, if I'm a you know, it, it will model these out for them so they can pick which one they want, you know. So the, so we have a, the 12-month rolling average plans and then and then our, our other acceleration plans, you know, you would start at, say, uh, I don't know, for a buyer agent, you know, you'd start at, um, if my 12-month adjusted gross commission previously was 250000 that would qualify me to start at 45% until, you know, until I've, um, until my agent earnings have reached 96000 that would then I would escalate to 60%. And then when I reach 120, I would actually bump all the way up to 70%. So, that sounds like a heck of a lot more than the 40, 40, 50 we were doing before. And it, re- and it really is. And really that escalation actually equates to about 23 sales, right? Well, our minimums for the company used to be 24. So, I mean, you're accelerating unless you're not making minimums. If you're not making minimums, then you know, probably shouldn't be on, on our sales force anyways. So it really is incentivizing people to, you know, well, we, how do I want to say it? I want, I want to show them that, listen, if you just sell three more, that you're selling three more in that 60-70% level. I mean, that's a considerable amount. Uh, yeah, it's a considerable bonus to yourself if you just push yourself. So that's the concept behind the behind the comp plan, incentivizing our agents to do just a little bit more to kick it up a notch. You know, and, and if everybody does that, if everybody on the sales team does two to three more sales, well, we're having a pretty darn good year. They're having a great year. We're having a great year, and everyone's winning. And most importantly, the bottom line of the company's covered too. That's the other part. Wes, are you profitable? Well, I hope so. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's you know that's the idea. I mean, you know, the thing is, we do a budget. You know, that's one thing that we're we've always been really good at is run the business like a business and uh, really pay attention to the bottom line. And uh, you know, we do a pretty comprehensive budget review once a month. You know, I'm watching the P and L 
almost weekly, but we actually sit down. My broker, me, my wife, Laura, who's a, who's, a, who's, a, who's a bookkeeper, and then our director of operations, we sit down and go line by line through that thing and just make sure that we're accomplishing our goals. We're staying on track um, with, with our budget. We're making adjustments um, as needed, and we're identifying where we're, where we're having some issues. And, you know, if you're not doing that, you know, I don't like surprises. I like having a plan and, and being able to foresee uh, what we're doing financially because at the end of the day, that's it's my job that I'm, you know, I'm, I am tasked with making sure that the business is profitable because I got 36 families that are, are counting on me to do that. So that's the part that I really enjoy. So yeah, we're doing well. It's never as well as I'd like it to be because, you know, that's just my nature, but, you know, we're, we're very fortunate and blessed. What is your net profit margin? We always shoot for like the 20% mark. You know, I'd probably get beat up by Bob Corcoran uh, for that because he'd he'd tell me I need to be in the 40% range. You know, and this is one of the beauties of like the team model is is you you can you can have profitability percentages like that. Um, it's a it's a ton of work. It's very you know it, it is a lot of work to to pull, do what we do. Uh, however, it is it definitely is possible. But 20% is what we we shoot for. It starts getting complicated. Like like for instance, I I own the building that we're in here, my company pays my property holding company rent, you know? So if you kind of like dissect, maybe dig into the financials a little bit, you know, it, it gets even a little sweeter, you know, than even 20%. But, but for right now, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're always shooting for. You know, and I think it's ex- extremely achievable for, for most companies. Are you currently in production? Do you still sell or is it the team selling and you're managing? I didn't sell it all last year. So, you know, I may take a commercial deal here, here and there because I enjoy it or I may do, you know, I do like, um, I have a builder right now, residential home builder. And, and so I work with um, property developers on from at that level, a little higher level. And this year I did some sales just because I didn't last year at all. And it needed to kind of, I think sometimes it's not all bad to like roll your sleeves up, do a, do a deal here and there to kind of find where your holes are. And what I found was I was a top producing agent before. And I, I know, you know, there's things that I see that maybe my agents don't see unless you roll your sleeves up and actually get in and you can't spot the holes. But, but by and large, no, I don't sell. My job is to spend the majority of my time building the business, but I got some sales in this year. It was, it was actually pretty fun. It was good. I like getting back in the saddle every once in a while, but and then I quickly remind myself, you know, I probably need to be out of this. Well, Wes, what drives you? I'm naturally extremely driven. I, I'm driven by, you know, my family obviously is a huge influence and reason for what I do. I mean, if, if my wife, I, mean, I tell my wife this all the time, I said, if any point in time you say that um, we're not having fun anymore, I mean, we'll, we'll do something else. My my business doesn't define me. You know, a lot of people go, well, it's your legacy, and I'm like, you know, that's not. My business isn't my legacy. It's the things I do with what I. It's the, it's the things I do with with my, with my time and and maybe some of the, you know, how I use my business, you know, to provide some significance. And like that's that's more of a legacy than the actual business itself. This is you know the, the business is more of a a vessel that we're using to accomplish some of the um, things that we want to accomplish in life. This sure makes it a whole heck of a lot easier when you're successful in making money because money allows you to be able to give. I can't give it if I don't have. And so that's been, you know, we're pretty proud that we've been able to, you know, donate a lot of money back to the community. And, you know, really from a charity standpoint, we've had that, that, uh, that fortune. And I'm, I'm very blessed for that. Wes, why have you been so successful? If I had to say one thing, it'd probably be humble implementation. 
anybody listening to this or any of the podcasts or reading any of the books or getting any coaching, I mean, the, the roadmap's there for you. Um, you got to get out of your own way and just implement. You know, don't question just, you know, and so I'm, I'm a wrestler. And if you've ever wrestled, anything in life is easy. So I grew up starving myself and getting beat up on the wrestling mat and training really hard and doing that. So work ethic, uh, Midwest um, farm boy, but that is like, you know, just, you know, that work ethic, that persistence, stay at it. I mean, I, I feel like when I started off initially, I literally just through sheer determination and persistence, I, and I had more discipline than everybody else. That was it. I wasn't, I wasn't more skilled. I didn't have more resources. I just was more disciplined. I made sure that I, you know, if my goal was, you know, six hours of dollar productive activities a day, I did six hours of dollar productive activities a day, you know? And I think that's where the secret sauce of, of teams come in. Because we cheat on ourselves all the time. I mean, how many times you talk to someone that's like, man, I'm just trying to quit. I'm just trying to lose weight. I'm trying to do, get to the gym. I'm trying to do all kinds of stuff. And they just keep cheating on themselves. Well, I think if, uh, you know, that's where the team environment can be really beneficial to your people and have, in fostering a culture of accountability. You can be accountable to yourself, but, uh, you know, but you, if you're going to grow the team and you're going to hire people, you need to create an environment for them to have the same successes as, as you have had. Wes, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Right, I'd probably tell them to obtain coaching off the bat. You know, start off, start off, and, and do whatever that they their coach tells them to do. Whether they think it's right or wrong, just just do that. And like I said, humbly implement. You humbly implement, and then you know, then you can stop and test. And if you've ex, you know, if you've executed what they've told you to execute, then you can review and. And course correct, but don't start off. Don't start off in the industry thinking you know it all. I talk to a lot of people that just go, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. You know, like, hey, I'm getting. You know, I've talked to people that are inheriting businesses from their parents who have been do in the business for like 40 years, and they're like, I can't wait to get in there, and I'm gonna like, I'm gonna change everything. I'm gonna do this, that, this, that, and I go, you know what? Just get in there and and learn as much from your parents as you can. They've been doing it for 40 years. Obviously, they've been doing something right. So pick out the things, get some perspective, uh, learn as much as you can, um, be a sponge, just be learning based and, you know, and then implement and get an accountability buddy, have somebody hold you accountable. If you can't afford a coach, you know, turn to your coworker and tell them, hold me accountable to this. You know, I give you the permission. You have to, you have to give permission to somebody. I give you the permission to hold me accountable to this and, and you'd be surprised what happens. Wes, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? I think they're very valuable. A lot of this wasn't really around when I started in real estate. Some of it was. If it was a coaching CD or whatever, I, I mean, I, I, I downloaded them and I listened to them. When I was starting in real estate, if you, did, if you went on a road trip, a fishing trip or a hunting trip with me, we were listening to business tapes the entire time. It was so annoying. My friends knew real estate scripting just as good as I did. Like it was, it's pretty ridiculous, but you had to immerse yourself in it. And if you give that type of, type of dedication to your craft, like these podcasts, I mean, they're just invaluable. I mean, I always tell my folks, I'm like, put this on and then go work out. I mean, if you're, if you're sitting there listening to Mike interview a top agent in the country and the nuggets are just flowing out and you're working out at the same time, man, that's like, that's a top producer's dream, right? I'm exercising my mind and my body at the same time. So listen up you'll, and you'll learn and then, and then implement. Well, Wes, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Mike, I just, I've taken up a ton of time. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my story. I just wish everybody the, the best of luck. Obviously, you can contact me anytime, Facebook or uh, westmadden.com. 
and uh, no question's a dumb question. You know, I'm happy to share anything I got with anybody, so I just appreciate you giving me the forum to do so. Well, Wes, thank you for sharing your success story. Your discipline and work ethic have served you well. You had a fast start by focusing on the basics, like handing out 500 business cards your first month and spending six hours per day on dollar-productive activities that resulted in 75 closings your first year. You quickly saw the value of coaching and had the desire and foresight to build a scalable, sellable business. In 10 short years, you went from zero to 25% market share, and I think you still have room to run. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who focuses on sellers and turns away buyers. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.